how often are you judging a book by its cover? Today's special, special guest is so indicative of that. She's basically the poster child for that quote because she is this beautiful, bleach blonde, stunning California Barbie, but is an immigrant half Indian and is our Miss California USA 2020, the most stunning, educated, brilliant woman. And it's Alicia Gupta. I love her so much because she is my queen. I am her runner-up from Miss California 2020. Yes, I stood on stage with her this year back in January, holding hands with her, awaiting the results. And we were the final two and she was crowned our winner as Miss California. And to be honest, this podcast is the first conversation we have had since that moment. Mind-blowing. I know. It's now October. And that was in January. But I feel like life just kind of happened. We connected. We texted. We tried to catch up for coffee. Like there were, then the pandemic happened. Like there were so many things that happened, but we've been cheering for each other along the way. And now Miss USA is around the corner. That's why I really wanted to get like knee deep into so many of these Queens, these Miss USA title holders, because there's so much more than meets the eye. And with her, I am blown away. She migrated from to the United States with her single mother when she was only a few years old. She spent her childhood growing up on a rural farm in Florida where she developed a passion for equestrian sport. At 15, she left home to attend a European boarding school where she obtained advanced qualifications in business and psychology and philosophy and science. What you would not see when you see this bombshell, you're thinking, oh, you probably are just trying to be on Vogue. Nope, this girl, Harvard, here we come. She's amazing and she's so brilliant. After university, she chased her career in media and landed her first job networking and working for ABC in Los Angeles, California. She currently resides here with her English bulldog, Bentley, and she is passionate about female empowerment, specifically in business and entrepreneurship. Before entering Miss California USA, Alicia had waited eight years to naturalize and become a U.S. citizen, allowing her to be eligible to compete. Alicia hopes to inspire others to chase their dreams because she believes that everyone can achieve their fairy tale ending if they work hard enough for it. Today's conversation is truly some storytelling. It's inspiring. I love that we go on this journey together. We both haven't really reflected back on Miss California back in January. It seems like it was almost 10 years ago, but it was only 10 months ago. But we've both changed so much since, and she is now getting ready to go step on the Miss USA stage and represent our great state. I'm so proud of her. And if there was anyone I was going to be runner-up to, she is just the perfect person to represent. So let's dive in on all things misunderstood with Alicia Gupta, Miss California USA 2020. You're listening to Misunderstood Podcast, where we're setting the record straight on all things misunderstood. I'm your host, Kelly Hall, pageant runner-up, model, speaker, entrepreneur, pageant queen, and U.S. Navy lieutenant. I may have never won a Miss USA title, but I am the queen of being misunderstood. Welcome to the show, guys. All right, everyone. Welcome to the show. I have an extremely special guest on the show today because it's not just another queen. It's my queen, Miss California, USA, Alicia Gupta. I'm her runner up and I love her to death. Welcome <laughs> to the show, girl. Hey, Kelly. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on this. I've been a very loyal listener since day one of the podcast. I can't believe I'm actually on it. I feel like a celebrity right now. <laughs> ah, you are a celebrity. You're a queen, obviously. But you are so much more than that. And that's exactly what we want to talk about. Because from the time I met you, you were like, you stood out as just like this boss. Like, do you remember when we met? 
at orientation? I do remember meeting at orientation. And I mean, there's so many girls at Miss California. And I remember hearing people kind of murmur about this Lieutenant Naval Academy girl who was so empowering. And she was like, you kind of own the room. And I felt like everybody who I'd spoken to had already met you. So then by the time you came along, I, I felt like I kind of already knew who you were. But yeah, I do remember the first encounter and orientation. It was like such a whirlwind, so much going on. But we hit it off right away. And we were both talking about kind of like careers right away, which I love. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. First of all, I just totally made my day. Thank you. <laughs> but yes, I remember obviously meets. There was like 77 women that competed in Miss California. So there was a lot. And then and then all the teens. Yeah, in the same room. They look like full-grown women these days. So I was looking around the room and like the teens competing were, I'm like, oh my goodness, I wish I looked like that at 16 and 17. The only reason why I knew there were teens is because we all had to wear our sashes the entire four days. And obviously it said like Miss Teen Orange County and like Miss Teen Sherman Oaks. And I was like, wait what? And they were like a foot taller than me. Right? <laughs> I'm so surprised every time I saw one of them. Cause I thought, I remember, I kid you not, at orientation when we arrived, I remember seeing like four different women and I was like, well, crap. I did not see her on Instagram. Like I did not see her in the pamphlet. I was like shaking in my boots. And then I saw Teen. And I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. It's a teen. Ooh, I'm, I'm so was like, glad I I'm not the only can't one. can't compete against her. She's beautiful. <laughs> that competition is so fierce. Yeah. And then they start talking and they're so eloquent and as well-spoken as they are in their appearance. So I was like, okay, thank gosh. Every time I read teen on the sash, my heart kind of like relaxed a little bit. I actually would say I think teen is more competitive than miss. Like, I'm going to put that out there, and here's my theory why. Because we are, like, adults with jobs that have to take priority. I mean, obviously, pageantry, Miss USA, all of that's a huge priority, especially if you want to compete and win. But at the end of the day, like, you have to put your job first because that's what pays the bills. <laughs> like, that is what you do. So for me, like, Navy, for you, marketing and everything they were doing. But for teens – the parents are like, hey, girl, you are going to go work out. You're going to go practice your walk. You're going to go do that interview because mama's paying for it. <laughs> so you better go practice. So these girls are legitimately way more prepared than we are. <laughs> for sure. I back you up on that. Yeah. I'm blown away by them. And then when they go on stage, like their walks, they look astonishing. Anyways, I could talk about the teens all day, but <laughs> I remember meeting you and almost immediately walking across the room and we had to all sit down in these little round tables and I was trying to walk around and meet everyone right away because I felt like this is just me and this is me just being ultra transparent. I don't know. Maybe it's the coffee kicking in, but <laughs> I felt like if I didn't introduce myself right away to everyone, then people start getting like kind of intimidated like as the days go on or as the hours go on and they start kind of like not finding you very approachable especially when you are a little bit more competitive so I just like to like level the playing field right away and like approach a lot of the women so they didn't see me as something like really intimidating or like obviously I am competitive and I'm competitive in nature but like I didn't want people to think I wasn't approachable so I always try to go up to as many people as I could well, that's what's weird about it because it's a competition. So there is that element and air of competitiveness that you can feel. It's palpable when you get to Miss California. But at the same time, all the girls that I met at least are genuinely nice and want to get to know all the other girls. We kind of champion each other. You're rooting for each other, even though you obviously want to win too. So it's a really weird dynamic and dichotomy that I have yet to experience anywhere else besides a pageant. It is so weird. It is a competition, but I feel like there's a switch that flips. For me, it's when you go on stage. Like, that's when the switch flips for me. Like, that's when I need to, like, game on, be there, be focused. Or it's those little moments, like, backstage when I'm prepping to go on 
on stage, obviously, or it's like those moments leading into your interview. But then there's other moments when you can be with the girls, whether it's, you know, getting ready, doing makeup, doing hair, whatever. Rehearsals, I flip that switch. I'm focused. Breaks between rehearsals, flip that switch. I can be with the girls. But I feel like that comes with practice of knowing like when you need to be on and when you can be social. For a lot of the girls that are ultra competitive, they think they have to be on the whole time. That takes a lot of energy, first of all, but also you're like not getting the whole experience. Like you're missing out on the fundamental aspect of pageantry, which is like connecting with the women. I think that's the best thing that came from pageantry for me. I mean, like you and I right now, like I could actually hate your guts right now (laughs) if I wanted to. Like, but that's not the point. Like I admire you and I adore you. And I think that everything happens for a reason. And I think that you and the women that we stood on that stage with are incredible, absolutely incredible. And like, that's the beauty of pageantry really, which is awesome. Oh, and by the way, when I met you, I thought you were a total boss. That was my first impression of you to circumnavigate back to that. You were in like that really cute, like high neck dress. I remember that with like the little sleeves and you had the bun, the middle part with the bun. And you were like, yeah, I work with ABC. And I was like, (laughs) I've always wanted to work with ABC. And I was like, is she my soulmate? And that was like my first impression of you. I mean, that's why I love going around and getting to know the other girls as well at orientation, because it does break down that wall and almost makes you all human. Like, okay, we're all here. We've all got nerves. We're all here to win. And we all are here to have a good time too. But also you have so many commonalities with other contestants. So like for you and I, it was definitely more career driven, I think. And we kind of bonded over that right away. And I think initially I just knew, I was like, okay, she gets it. Like she gets it because I feel like your brand is very much about like your career leading up to Miss California. And I even knew you as Lieutenant Kelly Hall. And so that's what I loved about you. And so when I met you, I was like, okay, she just gets it. I know she gets me. I know that she's going to get it. Oh, thank you. I do get you. Especially now, like continuing to follow you as well. I always wonder if that brand is like too into people's face. Like, oh, is it too Navy? Or am I posting too much about the Navy or, or balancing? And I'm like, wait, but that's my life. Like, Yeah. I am like all career. (laughs) Like I like bleed Navy. (laughs) Like that's like who I am. But I also have all these other things. Like that's what I'm trying to prove. Obviously, hopefully it's not like too much for some people. But then what do they say? If you're too much for some people, then those aren't your people, right? You shouldn't have to even worry about if you're too much for people because those aren't the right people anyway for you. And I think you do a really beautiful job of balancing the duality of feminism and being a woman who likes beauty and fashion and pageants, and then also that really serious naval side to you. So I think it's great to see that. And I think a lot of other women like seeing your page and following your podcast and what you do so much, because you really strike the balance between two things and kind of show girls that you don't have to put yourself in a box or pick one or the other. You can be both and you can be known for being both. So I know you as Kelly Hall, the beauty, glam, pageant girl, and the very serious naval officer. So I think you do a great job of it. Well, speaking of being both, how did you even get into pageantry? I know this was your actual first competition (laughs) and you won on your first try, which is incredible. But why? Why pageantry? Why Miss California, USA? It's kind of a long story and I'll try to keep it as brief and interesting as possible as I go through this. The timeline really starts when... I was a really little girl. I had just immigrated over to America from London with my mom. We grew up in a really small town. This town, I think population is like 2000. I mean, it's seriously small. And so the one big thing that happens every year in our town was this Christmas parade. And if you weren't there, like you weren't part of the no. I mean, it was, you had to be there. And so like clockwork each year, we'd go down and we watch this parade and all the floats go by. And I remember one year seeing a float full of pageant queens I was just a little girl that was into everything pink and fluffy and princess. So I thought these were real life princesses that I was seeing. And I remember just being so infatuated and enthralled by the idea of a beauty queen. And I asked my mom, like, who are those girls and how do I become that girl? And my mom being from England had no idea of beauty pageants. She had never competed in them, had no history or experience with the systems. So she didn't really know either. She she knew it was a pageant and so kind of did some research, found out we had a local pageant in our town. And I always said I was going to be that. I was going to do that. I, from that moment, started watching Miss USA religiously. And every year when it would come on, I would put my mom's high heels on and walk around and do a little 
circles and pretend I'm in my evening wear swimsuit in our front living room. And I'd make my whole family come and sit down and watch me and judge me and critique me and give me onstage questions. I loved the idea of it. And then as I got older, I kind of felt like pageantry was one of the few systems and programs that just understood me and understood what it was like to be a woman who really felt passionate about philanthropy, really felt passionate about education and her career, and also loved everything glamorous. And that really does embody who I am and my character. Pageants kind of give you a stage and quite literally a platform and microphone to be voiced and to be heard. I thought that was the coolest thing ever because really think about another program, especially our generation growing up. I remember now I think there's probably more organizations, especially in schools, that help bring together women and empower them. But I remember growing up in middle school, we didn't have any clubs like that. High school, I didn't have any clubs like that. So pageantry was kind of like a release and an outlet where there was other girls like me and other girls who dream big like me and believed in their dreams as much as I did. So when I was 18, I was like, that's it. I'm finally 18, minimum age to join a local state pageant and potentially go on to compete in Miss USA, which was always the dream. And at that time, I was living in Florida. I had joined a prelim pageant and won it. There was like four girls in it. I wouldn't call it a full competition, but it meant that I could go on to compete at Miss Florida. I'd practice. I'd got my evening gown. If any girls watching this or listening to this who's a pageant queen, you know those are not cheap. That's a big investment to make in yourself. (laughs) So I had everything put into place. And then about two months from Miss Florida USA, I got a call from the director saying, you have to forfeit and give in your crown. And I'm confused because I've never broken a rule in my life. I'm one of those people that I don't like to break rules. I don't like being in trouble. So I was so distraught. And he had explained to go to Miss USA, you have to be a US citizen. And I'd lived here what was basically my entire life. I've worked here, gone to school here. I had my green card, social security, but never naturalized. And so at that point, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to get my naturalization process started and become a US citizen so I can do this. Well, very long story, but my mother and myself, we were both working on naturalizing and her case came before mine because it was a little more pressing and it's a lot of time, a lot of money and a lot of lawyers to fully expedite the process of naturalizing. So we kind of prioritized hers and then I went to college and funds went to getting my degree. Before I knew it, eight years had passed, eight years and I'd finally got my citizenship. (laughs) And at that point, I just took a job in California working for ABC And I thought, that's it. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go for Miss California, USA. So I signed up. And at that point, it was just kind of to say I did it whilst I could because there is an age limit and I was creeping up there. So just being able to compete was kind of the win for me, right? And at that point, I hadn't had any experience. I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. I had no idea the level that California, USA was conducted. Like I didn't know the amount of girls, the level of competition that was there. I really went into it pretty blindly. But of course, the outcome was way more than I could have expected or anticipated. But um, really was a fairy tale ending. And that dress that I wore on Miss California, I got when I was 18. And I competed when I was 25. So yeah, I was like, I've got to wear this dress because I'd spent so much money on it back then. And when are you ever going to wear a dress like that glitzy anywhere else? So I competed in the same dress that I had bought the first time I was planning on competing for Miss Florida USA. So it was really full, full circle on that one. Oh my gosh, I didn't know any of this. Uh, yeah. I'm so happy for you. Uh, seriously, now that I know this, wow. Well, I know exactly what dress you're talking about. Now it's iconic. It's that sweetheart metallic. Like it, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. But I'm so thrilled for you. They actually don't even make it. They don't even make that dress anymore. It's that old, which is kind of funny because after the pageant, I had people asking what dress I wore and who was it by and it's discontinued. It was so long ago that it went out of style and came back into style, I think. Oh, yeah, I totally believe that. Cuz same with mine, mine was like the metallics. This year the metal like the winners wore the metallics, that's what they kept saying like over and over, which is funny cuz you and I both wore metallics. Yeah, we did. <laughs> that's right. And we're both winners. Talk about like diving into a huge pageant. I mean, I kid you not, like to like I came from Ohio And I competed for three years in Miss Ohio, which is still a very competitive state. Like there's not as many women there that compete. There's usually like 40-ish, 40 to 45. But the talent 
is really competitive. So it's like 40 to 45, but just to make top 15 is like a huge deal there. So whenever I told people I was going to compete in Miss California and it was my last year, people would like very visibly laugh. (laughs) Like People were like, ah, oh, nice. And I was like, well, thanks, you know, because I closest I'd got was fourth runner up in Ohio. You know, I, I wasn't runner up in Ohio or anything like that. But for me, it was like, look, if it's my last year, like I'm just going to go for it, see what happens. But I knew the caliber of that state and like our experience there was crazy. I mean, I feel like you've got to feel a little bit like you have a leg up from your competitors at Miss USA because we were able to get through that four days. And I tell you, I heard this phrase before going into it. Actually, it was Erica Dan. I talked to her at like a little meeting back in November before the competition. I forget what, like Henry's was there. and like Yeah, it was like a mini orientation. But I met Erica there and she said, Miss California is a competition of attrition. Like you really just going to make it to the last day. And I was like, that's interesting, but I kind of believe it. And then going through the process, like everyone shows up day one, Thursday orientation, like glitzy eyed and excited in their, you know, their fresh spray tan and their fresh head of curls. And then day two, Friday is when we have rehearsals and rehearsals for hours and hours and hours. And our interviews took 12 hours. So long all day. It was an all day thing. All day long. I also will note you and I were the only ones that were in white power suits. Do you remember that? We had a lot of symmetry in our wardrobe. We did. Now that I'm thinking about it, because I remember like looking around and I was like, ooh, because we both had like white, I had like a white choker dress and you had a white power suit and I was looking for other people in white and you were the only one. And I was like, okay, but our looks were very different. So yeah, they were a little fun fact about (laughs) our listeners. We were very, very on par with our looks. But yeah, like those were all day long. And then we had prelims that night, not prelims, but we, what did we have that night? Just an event, I think. We had the dinner, the dinners and the events. I mean, it was from start to finish, really nonstop. You would sleep and then you wake up and you start. Right. And we had tr- Think Pink that night, I think. Or the Think Pink Chinese mentorship. Or something like that. And then Saturday we had prelims. And then that, we had rehearsal. And that was all day long. And then we had another event, All That Sparkles, that evening. I mean, we were going to bed maybe midnight, probably later. And then Sunday we had finals and we had rehearsals. And it was four days long. And... By the time, like, they announced top 15, I mean, it was exciting, but it was also, like, adrenaline slash – like, I had to have, like, a pep talk with myself, like, all right, this is when you got to, like, kick it into gear. <laughs> like, this is when, like, people are dropping off like flies because they're exhausted, and this is when, like, all that training, that Navy training is <laughs> kind of, like, push into the finish line because we were so tired. It was a long four days. It really was. But I think what Erica, that piece of advice she offered to you is is so spot on because you do have to keep your energy all week. And I think what helped me was the fact I was just so excited and I really felt so, for lack of a better word, blessed to just be there and able to compete after having waited eight years. For me, I think that massively helped me because every time I got tired or my feet were were hurting in rehearsals, my, my feet were bleeding at the end of Miss California. And in the moment, every time I started having any kind of a negative thought or, oh my gosh, I'm getting tired, I quickly snapped out of it because I'm like, no, you waited for this. (laughs) You wished for this and it's here. So you better enjoy it, make the most of it because it's going to be over before you know it. And it did. As long as that weekend felt, it also flew by. It really flew by. I remember when it was just you and I stood up there at the end, (laughs) in my head, always thinking, this is it. Like this moment, that's it. And it's over and done with just like that. I remember right before our names were called or like right as like third runner up was called. So like we were the final two and we were walking over. I remember just telling myself like, remember this moment, remember this moment, remember this moment because (laughs) I was like grabbing your hand and we were walking to the center of the stage. And that's typically when I would like black out. Like it's so easy for me to just like 
well, don't remember. <laughs> like, And that's it for me because that's happened to me a lot in pageantry, especially before swimsuit. I just like go to walk out and then I black out and I don't remember anything that happened while I was on stage. And then I step off stage and I was like, wait, how did I do? I don't even remember. So I just like telling myself, like, remember this moment, remember this moment. I was like staring at you and I was holding your hand and you were like, your eyes were the size of Texas. You were like, wait, what? I couldn't believe it. If there weren't videos of that moment, I think I would have had a full blackout kind of experience because until I rewatched them, I forget what was going on. I don't, and I know we were saying things back and forth to each other and I don't even remember. I just remember thinking like, how the heck, how did, how did I get here the last two? Like what's going on? I was looking around just thinking, wow, to think from where like I started in the years, those eight years that I'd waited to, to compete were hard. Like there were, there was a lot of difficult things that I overcame in in life. And I just remember thinking it all kind of led me to that moment. And it was such like a sucker punch the gut in the best way. I don't know what better way to describe that, but unless you're in that moment and you you're holding, you know, the last two girls are holding each other's hands and just like waiting to hear whoever's name. It's so unlike anything I've ever experienced. So I know. And what was pretty incredible for me was you were one of the first people I talked to at orientation. And then throughout the process, we, I feel like I didn't see you that much throughout the process, like hardly at all. We weren't really in line together. We weren't any routines together. Like we were near each other on stage. We weren't in anything together. So it wasn't until we were top 15, I think that we were like, Back. And I think I made a comment about your earrings because you had the really cool like earrings up your ears. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love those. But it wasn't until then I saw you again. And so then to bookend it, it was like, and then we were final two. <laughs> you know, it was like one of the first people I saw. And then I, you were like the last person I saw, <laughs> of course, being on stage with you. It was so poetic the way that happened. Just absolutely crazy. Oh gosh. Well, we clearly need to catch up more after this because I could talk to you forever. But one of the things that we mentioned on the note of, we were talking about, you know, how beautiful pageantry is with connecting women and why you even got into it to begin with. I think there, I've mentioned this multiple times by myself, but I love having your perspective about what is misunderstood with pageantry, especially from an outside audience. Like you, you're working with ABC, you're freelancing, you're a businesswoman, you're a scholar, you're educated, and you happen to be Miss California USA. The perception is sometimes not exactly what you think, you know, coming from the world when you mentioned that you're involved in pageants. What's your experience on that? And what do you think is so misunderstood about being involved in something like Miss USA? I think everything's predominantly misunderstood with pageants unless you've been in the system yourself. I don't think outsiders really get it. I think the women who are involved with it are are largely misunderstood. And like you said, we're so many different things. A lot of us have incredible careers, incredible educations, passions, missions that we feel called to do. And the title Miss California or Miss Texas or Miss Tennessee or whatever your title is, is kind of the thing on the bottom of your list of all the things we've accomplished, like that's actually not as impressive as look at all this other stuff that we've done. And I think as a queen, you kind of get seen as just this pretty face that's tied to a title that likes glitz and glam. And that's really all there is to it. And that's so surface level. And I've yet to meet a single girl who is in pageants that only has that side of her. There's just so much more depth to it. And I think a lot of people in general, not just pageants, when we see women, we think about women, we have to label them. Okay, she's pretty, so she's going to be mean or unintelligent or only cares about looks. We never think, oh, there's a really beautiful woman who's really compassionate and really caring and really dedicated to her work and for her cause. And I think we're kind of getting to a time where, where women are proving that that's just totally wrong in so many different ways. You as a lieutenant in the Navy and also showing, hey, I've got this side of me. And then these girls who are going to Miss USA, all of them have so many different sides, whether they're a professional athlete, very tomboy, and also like to put on their crown and heels. So I think that's the biggest misconception. And I think if people just took the time to have even a five-minute conversation 
with any pageant queen, you would see that there's just so much more substance and that there's really not a one size fits all. Every single girl is so different, is so unique, has so many different things going for her. And I think that's what makes pageantry so exciting for me is it's not just judging girls off their looks across the board because every single one of them has that quality of a queen. She already has that in her. And now there's just so many different layers that goes into it that you get to harvest and, and, and rake through this group of women who just are outstanding in what they do on a day-to-day basis. And I think that's what people really need to see when they see pageants is the women under the crown and the women who make it happen. Have you had any encounters where you've overheard any sort of like judgment when you've told someone that you participated in pageants or that you are Miss California USA? All the time. I think the looks are kind of the first thing. Really? Yeah, especially if it's something that they find out before they get to know me as Alicia and they just sit here, oh, Miss California. The way people treat you, the way they act around you is very different. The conversations that they want to have with you is very different. If I were to meet, let's say, a 40-year-old man at an appearance and I showed up as Miss California and I met him as Miss California, our conversation will be vastly different than what our conversation would be if I had met him as Alicia Gupta, an executive at ABC Network. Totally different. Why? I'm the same person with or without a crown on my head. So why do we have to dumb down a conversation or talk about something that's so surface level just because you think I'm a beauty queen? And I think that's the most frustrating thing for me. I'm like, why am I having this conversation with you right now? But it happens a lot, definitely. And even even my own family, like I said, my mom didn't have any background in pageants. So after Miss California, I remember her kind of picking my brains and asking me about everything. And a question that we always, I always get, I'm sure you can also attest to this, is are the girls mean? <laughs> Everybody thinks that the girls in pageants are like catty and just not nice girls who are really competitive and will cut your dress if you're not looking. And that's so funny because it's the complete opposite. Yeah, it is the complete opposite, especially because I've made like the most amazing friends through pageantry. But seriously, like I have a long list of friends <laughs> through the system. I think that is so true when you think ugh, the conversations. You know what I've noticed too? Like people who they'll look me up on social media before they meet me and they'll have like this perceived notion of who I am or what I'm going to be like. And I've had these same people later admit to me that they are like, you are nothing like what I expected. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, I'm telling you this because I feel guilty because when I looked you up on social media or I found out you competed in Miss Ohio or I found out you were competing in Miss California, I thought that you were going to be stuck up or rude or, you know, pretentious or whatever it is. And now that I know you, you know, obviously like you're, you're sweet or you're smart or you're selfless or whatever. Um, and they're like, I feel really bad about that. So I just wanted to say like, you're not what I imagined. And I'm kind of like, thanks. Like, <laughs> like thank you. I, think. I know. It's such a backhanded comment. You're like, oh, well, I, you appreciate that. And you appreciate them seeing that. But you're, you're, there's also a level of confusion why you would have been seen as anything less than that. And I think too, now going to Miss USA is Miss California, blonde hair with a tan, bubbly personality. People think I'm going to be, you know, the California Barbie, the Malibu Barbie, which is just not true at all. I'm international. I'm an immigrant. The tan isn't from the California sun. The tan's because I'm half Indian, which people look at me too. And they're like, oh, did you marry Indian? I'm like, nope, my dad's Indian. They're like, you don't look Indian. But how does Indian look? You know, how does a pageant queen act? There's really no specific requirements to be anything, whether it's a beauty queen or a race or a related or whatever it is. And I think the moment that people start realizing that and and kind of catch themselves before they do it. And it is natural. And I'm sure I've done it too before um, without even realizing it. I think you just have to be a little more cognizant and understanding when you meet people that you judge them based on, on what they give you and what information they give you instead of judging them before they even speak a word. And I think, yeah, if that was extended to beauty pageants and beauty queens, there would be a completely different understanding of, of what the system does and, and the products of what comes out of being involved in pageantry. I completely agree with that. I also want to say, you mentioned like 
women who compete in pageants having all these other passions and interests and jobs and careers and, you know, personalities, whatever it is. I remember Paul Shugart saying, I think it was on the bus when we were getting ready to go to finals at Miss California USA. She was there and she said, if this is all you have, then you're wrong. And that brought me a lot of peace. And Miss Paula Shugart is the president of the Miss Universe organization because she's right. All you shouldn't have is being Miss USA. You know, the current Miss USA, Chesley Chris, she has so many other things that she has going for her because she's going to give up her crown in a month and she's going to move on with her life. Just like Sarah Rose Summers did a year ago when she gave up her crown as Miss USA, just like every other title holder will when they give up their crown. It can't be all you are. They can be your only goal in life. Like they want to have people who are multi-passionate, who have things in and outside. And, you know, that's what you're showcasing. You're winning that title, just like you won Miss California, because of the qualities you have as Alicia, not because that you are giving them all the elements to be a perfect Miss California. Like you're the perfect Miss California USA because you are who you are already, you know? Right. But a lot of people don't get that. I, I'm totally agreeing with you on that point. And I think that Paula Shugart and the, and the Miss Universe organization really is doing a great job at what feels to be a new wave, a new era of pageantry. And the queens that we're seeing on the national levels like Miss USA are so career driven. And I don't think that's unintentional. I think I think they, like you said, they want a woman who embodies so much more than just being this pretty face or a, a pretty queen. They want a girl who's going to symbolize to other young women who are involved in pageants or potentially thinking about getting involved that the woman is so, so much more than just her crown and sash. She's She's got a career. She's got a philanthropy behind her. She's got an entire year dedicated to so much more than just sitting there and being a pretty face. So I think as well as as this continues to transition to be kind of evolving down that path and trajectory, I think people will slowly start catching on and seeing the Chesley Chris of the world coming into reign. And you cannot dispute that Chesley is so much more than just a beauty queen. I think it's going to start being a lot more, a lot more of a conversation that people have like, oh, wow, do you see this civil justice lawyer who's also Miss USA? And I think that once you start referring to these beauty queens as more than just the title as, oh, Miss California, the media executive, Miss California, the small business owner. There's a whole new notion that's now involved with what you think of when you think of pageants. And I think that's incredible. And I'm so proud to be going to Miss USA this year over any other year, because I think we're getting closer to it. And I think we're getting closer to that representation finally. I love that. I love that. Ah, Whoever's listening, I I feel like I'm slowly forging this path for pageantry with the podcast, but I I hope that listeners continue to hear this message for pageantry because I'm so passionate about it and I don't compete anymore and I don't have a plan to compete anymore, but it's just in general like what it does. But there's also this consistent theme, whether it's pageantry or not, to have an open mind about others period, in general, like whether it's either competing in pageantry or they're hunting or they're doing jujitsu or whatever it is in life, like you have this preconceived notion of people and then you're close-minded, but that's what's completely misunderstood. You should not have a preconceived notion of people. You should keep an open mind about what they have the capability to do because you don't know what they have the capability to do. They might completely surprise you. And with that, I know that we also wanted to mention I know you and I bonded before about being like women in business and being like powerhouse women in the industry and whatnot. Aside from being, you know, the California queen, what are some of the things that you feel like you faced as well, just being a beautiful powerhouse woman in the business industry? Do you feel like you struggle to be understood? Like what are some of the things that you feel like you've had to do to help find your voice or maybe to help change the perception of beautiful women in business? Yeah, I love that question. I was raised with a single mother who owned a business. And I mean, she did everything. She was a mom, a dad, a business owner, a philanthropist, and everything in between. So from a really young age, I feel quite lucky to not grow up with gender 
roles placed on me. I didn't have any idea that, oh, this is what a man does in the house and this is what a woman does. I just saw this woman who did everything and executed everything so effortlessly that that was really placed in my mind. And seeing that made me believe that I was capable of that growing up. So I actually started my first business when I was 17 years old. And it started really small in my kitchen, ended up turning into something a lot bigger than I'd ever anticipated, sold it to a retailer in the Southeast of the United States. And I think at that point, it was the first taste that I got of any kind of adversity in business and as a woman in business. And I think my age as well was probably um, had something to do with the adversities that I faced. But yeah, people just talk to you differently. They try to dumb things down or they try to take your ideas or make you have less of a say in something or take the credit for anything. And then I think after that, in college, I decided to go back to school, pursue my degree in business and entrepreneurship. And my first day of class, I walked into this auditorium filled with men. I mean, hundreds of guys. I must have been one of like five girls in there. And I remember thinking, what the heck have I gotten into? Like, and, and it made me second guess, am I in the right major? Like, did I pick the right major? Do I need to go to my counselor and change it? Like, this doesn't feel right. I felt uncomfortable. And I was definitely made to feel uncomfortable as well, often and, and many times. And I think the first time that I felt very comfortable in just being a woman in business and accepting that that's what I was, that's what I wanted to do and fully living in that role was when we broke up into group projects and you know, boys clubs in college are very much a thing too. So all the guys would gravitate towards each other and pick groups. And I was kind of like the last person picked for the kickball team, if you will. Like I was stood to the side and the teacher had assigned me to a group and that happened a couple of times. And then I just woke up one day and I flipped a switch and I thought, I'm one of the few girls in this entire auditorium. They should be begging to have me on their team because I'm the only different person in here. And I remember going around and kind of like selling myself to these different groups and saying, you know, I'm the only girl. I offer this unique perspective. You guys really want me on your team. Aesthetically, I can really work on this project's presentation, the way it looks, put a woman's touch on it, blah, blah, blah. And I remember going around and like selling that to a few different groups and kind of got into a bidding war of every time there's group projects, who got the girl on their team? So it was really funny to see a semester begin with me being last one left out to the first one, first dibs, who gets to have her on her team. And then for the four other girls in the class, they were also really highly sought after. And so I think when you use your differences as your selling points, and you kind of leverage them like that, and present them to other people in a positive way, and instead of sitting there and counting yourself out and feeling sorry for yourself because I'm left out or I'm different or this holds me back. Actually flip the switch and change that conversation. And it, and it truly does have to start with yourself before other people believe that and hear that and pose it in a way that, listen, this is why I'm different. And this is actually why you want me to be on your team. And I think that extends beyond just business. But for this specifically, I remember that was for me the start of really finding my own as a woman in business. I love that. You know what? That makes me realize, I feel like within the last like year, year in change, I always found like being a woman in a male dominated field, like super challenging. And like, that was my platform. And it was like, we can fit in and we can be one of them and we can do that. And then I don't know if it was Miss California or if it was just this year in general or what it was, but I've kind of been changing my tune to, we are different but it's actually pretty awesome. And we just need to like embrace that we're different, but being different is what's making us more in demand. I'm realizing that being a woman in the military kind of just makes me more in demand. <laughs> like It's not necessarily like a setback. Like it is, it can be challenging. Yes. I will speak on it multiple, multiple times until I'm blue in the face. And I'll try to encourage those who face those challenges but at the same time, like it can also be an advantage at times and it can also make you more sought after, like you said. And last week I did a presentation for the Board of Education in California and there was like this old crusty man on the other side doing an audio check. And so I like said something and he's like, oh, honey, you're going to have to speak up there, Lieutenant. And like said something to me like I'm you know, like something he wouldn't say if I was like a male lieutenant, you know, like talking to me like I'm a Girl Scout. And I'm like, 
hello, my name is Lieutenant Hall. And he's like, oh, there you go. That's the voice we want, honey. And I'm like, I really don't appreciate that, you know, because I'm like, I have a very clear voice and I can definitely speak up and I can hurt a group of 100 people. (laughs) Like, no, no. But then just yesterday, I got a phone call because they needed to pull an officer and they, my public affairs officer just you know, wanted female representation and they had me do a shout out on the Kelly Clarkson show for Veterans Day. And so I was like, well, sweet, that's cool. So it's like, you know, there's moments of that frustration, but then there's also those moments of feeling like in demand, like, oh, I love being like, you know, a woman in this tiny industry where you can be a voice and really represent, which is super cool. So I love that. It's definitely how you perceive it. And you can make the most of anything. And I think I'm, I'm a really big believer in we don't get to choose what cards are dealt to us in life, but we do get to choose how we play those cards. And beyond just being a woman in business, I've experienced a lot of different challenges and kind of figured out by 25, finally, that with every challenge that comes our way, we get to decide now how we react to it, what we do from that. Do we grow from it? Do we retreat? Do we use it to help others or do we use it to hinder ourselves? And so I think with anything, any time that you face kind of like a roadblock or a hurdle, you have this huge opportunity. It never comes without a giant opportunity as well. And as soon as you start seeing that, oh my gosh, everything looks so different in life. It doesn't matter if you're a woman, if you're a man, if you're in pageants, if you have a professional career, if you're still figuring that out, the world just opens up so much more when you have that mindset and you're able to look at it through that lens. And so that's what I I challenge myself to do on a daily basis. And it's so easy to, yeah, think of it in a negative way or why is this guy talking to me like that? Or why am I having this conversation right now? And get frustrated But it's just as easy to put that energy of of frustration into turning it into positivity and whether your outlet is using challenges to help people or using challenges to just better yourself. There's so much to be gained any time that you hit a setback. And so that's kind of how I take it. And I take it in stride. And I think it's something you have to constantly work on and it gets easier (laughs) the longer you work on it, certainly. I love that. And I think that's a perfect segue to end, we were speaking earlier and you you mentioned you don't get to pick the cards that you're dealt, but you can choose how you handle them. And we started the conversation earlier on our call with 2020. (laughs) And you were talking about handling this year and how you couldn't have imagined what it would have been like. As you prep for Miss USA, I mean, tell us a little bit about what you've experienced this year and what your mindset is like now. I mean, now you're a month away from Miss USA. Just share a little bit about that experience, what it's been like emotionally, and now as the countdown begins, what you're getting, how you're feeling. It's definitely been a whirlwind of emotions, and I think everybody's experienced that, not just a Miss California thing. I think everybody's been faced with ups and downs and everything in between with 2020, which I've certainly experienced as well, personally, and then in my reign. But I'm starting again to look at it through that lens of why this is happening. I can say, hey, 2020 has been such a wash and it's just been the worst year ever and it's not fair. And now I'm not prepared for Miss USA. Or I can say and choose to believe that this year has done everything in my favor and it's working out in my favor and it's setting me up to do as best as I can on the national level. And I think at Miss California, one of the reasons why I did so well was because I was so novice and almost um, unpolished when it came to pageantry. I showed up as Alicia because I didn't know how to do anything else. And I think that was refreshing. And I think that that's kind of what shone through. And by no means did I have a perfect performance, but it was genuine and it was authentic. And people like that. And I think people want to see that more in pageants. And I think the same thing now with this year and going into Miss USA, I thought after I won Miss California, I was going to have this whole team just prepare me and I was going to be so equipped for it and ready to go. And of course, with everything going virtual and the way it's it's all settled and worked out and unfolded, I haven't had as much hands-on training. And instead of getting stressed out about that, I think that's great because 
I'm still as raw and genuine as I was when I went into Miss California going into Miss USA. And that's all you can be. I've had 25 years of experience practicing who Alicia Gupta is. So I'm pretty good at that role. And I'm, I'm <laughs> very, I feel very prepared to show up as her. And that's everything you can possibly ask to show up for. And I think if that's what they're looking for to be the next Miss USA 2020, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And that's all you can do. You can only show up as who you are. And if that's not what they're looking for, then I, I trust that it's not in the cards for me and that there's a, a bigger reason and a different path that I'm meant to be on. And I'll be happy for whoever the next Miss USA is. But all we can do is really go in as who we are and be transparent about that. So that's kind of how I'm now, I'm feeling very calm going into Miss USA, which is shocking to think it's only 30 something days away. And I'm so calm, but it's because I really do believe that. And I'm just excited for the experience. I'm excited to have a positive ending to 2020. And I'm, I'm just excited that it's actually happening. For a long time there, I didn't think that there would be a Miss USA 2020 to even compete in. So yeah, focusing on the positives and focusing on what I can control and just trying to show up as Alicia because after winning Miss California, I think that's proven to me and shown to me that Alicia's enough and I don't have to change a single thing. And I know that that's what Miss USA and Miss Universe advocates for and wants girls to feel. So yeah, that's how I'm going into it. Very calm, very clear headed. And I think very similar to how you were describing your experience going into Miss California was. You were just very calm and you were ready to you know, go on stage. And when I hit the stage, I'm sure competition mode will, will kick in. But all the in-betweens, I, I'm just focused on being present, enjoying the experience, not blacking out, <laughs> remembering all the connections and little moments in the process and making the most of it. I think what helped me weeks leading into it was really sitting down and thinking about everything that could go wrong. Like, Everything, whether it was, you know, food or medications or shoes breaking or because my shoes have literally broken before. And like, <laughs> yeah, I miss Ohio. My heel pff, broke. Um, what did you do? Everything. My mom had to like go to the store and get 17 kinds of glue and we glued my shoe back uh, together. <laughs> I know. Bless moms. <laughs> bless moms. But yeah, like I just sat there and I thought about everything I could potentially control and pack and do and write out and schedule. So I had my little like snacks and I had my outfits and I had backup outfits and I had my band-aids and I had everything. And I would wake up in the middle of the night and I'd like write my little notes. And this was like weeks leading into Miss California. And I'd visualize and I'd visualize and I'd think through it all. But when it came to the competition, I mean, at that point, I had already stressed out so much beforehand. It was really just about being present and that was it. You know, like I had already thought through everything that could go wrong. And at that point, you can only control what you can control. You know, like you have done your interview prep. You have put your time into the gym. You have practiced your walk. You've got your gown. Like you've done everything you possibly could have done. That's it. And be you. And so nothing's going to just monumentally change between now and then. You're not going to get, you know, your PhD. There's not going to be this huge bullet point that's going to be a huge talking difference at your interview. Nothing wild. Did I ever tell you? I, I can't remember if I texted you, but I think I told you backstage that I had a bikini malfunction on finals at Miss California. You did tell me that. Oh my gosh. I remember you pulling me to the side and you're like, oh, did you see anything? And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, no. Talk about like what you can't control, right? <laughs> yeah. My bikini literally popped off. You can't find it anywhere online, by the way. Nobody saw it in the audience because I remember when you said that, I never was on my phone backstage, especially in the, in the moments because it was so chaotic and busy and fast paced. But I remember you saying that and I remember looking at my phone and I know for a fact I texted my sister and I was like, how, you know, how is that blah, 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 top 10, top 15 doing? And you, I remember you saying you had a bikini malfunction. And I texted her, I was like, did you guys notice blah, blah, blah? And she's like, no, oh my God, tell her, do not freak out. Tell her that literally nobody noticed. Oh, that's so sweet. But even in that moment though, I was like, how would I ever know that like my bikini top was going to pop off? <laughs> so that was just came from that like mental prep of, well, okay. 
was like, I can't freak out. I just got to keep going. Oh, well, you know, it's like, at least it wasn't my shoe. <laughs> like, I need my shoe. <laughs> I think too, all the little problems or bigger problems that we focus on and we walk through in our head are always bigger than what they are. They really do. They turn into something so much larger than they need to be that I just don't even like to put energy into thinking about that because guess what? If my shoe breaks or this happens or whatever, and I'm in the moment, there's nothing that I can really do to plan for, yeah, a bikini malfunction or your shoe popping out or my hair just not waking up and working with me that morning. So I can't stress about it. I can't put energy into thinking about all the things that can go wrong, but I can put energy thinking into all the things that can go right. And if something does happen on the way, just know that I can be calm enough and equipped enough to deal with it in the moment. And I think about all the other things that I've tackled in life. And I'm like, you know what? As monumental and grand as Miss USA is, it's not going to be the biggest thing I've done. I'm going to do bigger things. I've done big things. I'm going to continue to do big things. And this is just another moment in time that I can look back on and reflect on and be excited about and have positive thoughts when I look back and think of all the memories. But you have to enjoy it in the moment. Because like I was saying to you earlier, 50 girls, one girl is going to walk away with a crown. Okay, so are we going to have one girl who wins and 49 girls who lose? Or are we going to have 50 girls that win? And your description or or what you consider a win can be different for everybody. And for me, a win is an incredible experience. And walking away with friends like I walked away with you and Natalie and so many of the girls at Miss California, walking away with that same amount of friends from Miss USA. So that's what I'm thinking right now. And it's been really good. It's been keeping me calm. And I think going into quarantine and this year of things just being so out of whack and out of control has helped me to just be very calm and realize that I can't control everything and to just go with the flow. And I think that's going to massively help me going into Miss USA. Yes, absolutely. Ah, I cannot wait to cheer you on. It's November 6th and 8th, correct? November 6th prelims and November 9th is the finals that will be live on the FYI network. Okay, amazing. Well, tell the listeners how we can follow along and cheer for you at Miss USA. <laughs> yeah, please follow along. Um, so you can follow me on Instagram. My Miss California Instagram handle is Miss CA USA. And my personal Instagram is Alicia Gupta, just first and last name. And you can also follow along on the Miss California USA website or the Miss USA app. You can download that and vote for your favorite to make it into the top 16. We're doing a people's choice this year. So that's very exciting. If you like my story, if you like this podcast and what you hear, please vote for me. And if not, you've got 49 incredible girls to choose from. Amazing. Oh, yes. People's choice. Okay. I'll add all that in the show notes. I can go check it out. Well, my dear, dear Miss California queen, good luck. You're going to go kill it. You're going to go be your natural, amazing self. And I have so much faith in you. Thank you so much for being on the show today. You were incredible. And we're going to catch up more later. I can't believe the last time we t- we spoke, we were like holding hands on stage together, staring at each other's eyes, and you were crowned Miss California USA. This was overdue, definitely overdue, but I'm so grateful. Thank you, Kelly. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate your constant support from the second after the pageant, you've always stayed in contact. And as difficult as it can be with life and corona and work, you've always managed to drop in a, a kind note and kind words and behind me throughout the whole year through the ups and downs so i really appreciate that and just your genuine friendship and all the things that you're doing with your misunderstood podcast i'm such a fan i genuinely mean that so i'm gonna be like freaking out when i actually hear this episode go live yay well be sure to share with all your friends and families but thank you so much dear all right until next week this is misunderstood thanks for tuning in guys Welcome to another installment of Questions with Kelly. Woo! Pom-poms in the background. That was just such an awesome episode with Alicia. And uh, I just just went down memory lane and I'm in my field about pageant world. And, 
you know, now I am since retired. I say retired. I didn't quit because you don't quit anything that you put that much time and effort into, folks. But I'm retired. However, on to the next journey. And one of my very first questions I received from you guys is from Chuck Cindy Mace. He says, what are your long-term goals? Any special plans or dreams? I have a tough time with this because although I am all about goal setting, I think I'm more of a short-term goal setter. 90 days, whether it's planning a podcast, it's uh, applying to agencies, it's doing X, Y, and Z or saving a certain amount of money. I really do well at executing those things. Long-term goals are tough because life just changes. So show yourself some grace on those things. For me, life is completely different than it was five years ago. So when people say like, what's your five-year plan? (laughs) Laughing at you because... I don't know. I would have never thought I would end up in LA. Lord knows we all did not think we'd end up in a pandemic. I never dreamed of having a podcast. I never thought I'd be with a modeling agency. Five years ago, I hadn't even competed in a pageant yet. I mean, there's so many things. So I actually really recommend always just having specific short-term 90-day goals that you want to pursue and execute those. But any special plans or dreams for me... Honestly, I really just can't wait for this next chapter. I know it's like around the corner. I'm hoping soon that I'll be engaged. Wink, wink, Austin, where are you at? I'd love to plan a wedding. I'd love to be married, eventually buy a house, maybe in five years, kids, who knows. But Those plans I can forecast and I can see in the future as the next step, but I'm obviously still going to have my big goals, which are going to be the podcast and social media and impact and public speaking and all of that. So we will see you guys. Okay, next question. Have you ever struggled with body image and how did you handle it? This is from Shelbo Brooks. Thanks for the question. Absolutely. It's different for me because... I struggled with being so thin and I actually didn't really have body image issues until people started making comments about it. When I was in middle school, people started pointing out my legs and saying I had chicken legs. And then when I got older, people started pointing out my arms. And when I entered the military, they were just like, you look so skinny and so frail. And at the time I was running competitively. So it was really hard to keep on weight for me. I was already very, very small. And then as an adult, in my you know middle 20s, I just wanted to look more mature. So what I have worked so hard on, especially this last year and a half, was building muscle. And I connected with the trainer, my trainer, Body by Craig, and we really just worked so, so much on building lean muscle. That has helped my confidence so much. Because when I look at my body, I don't just see like a stick figure anymore. I actually feel like I have curves. I have a little bit of, a, you know, some legs, a little bit of a booty, some arms, some shoulders. Like it's more than just some tiny little frail body that I was always kind of insecure about because people just kept pointing it out. And, and that ultimately started making me feel a little bit weird about it. So I fixed it and now I feel a lot more confident. I like being muscular and I like looking more toned. My next question is, what would you be doing if you weren't in the Navy? This is from the blonde Brenner girl. Honestly, I do not know because the Navy is such a big part of my life. But if the world was just opening its arms up to me and I was able to do anything, I would love to be a host on a talk show. You know, I always dreamed of being on today's show, but at this point, like I'd love to be, you know, like Kelly from Regis and Kelly or, you know, the Kelly Clarkson show or just have like a morning show. It'd be so fun because I love interviewing people, obviously. I love like telling stories and things like that. So in my dreams, that would be awesome. And I would love to get into that industry. So if you know anyone, send them my way. Send them a podcast. Who knows? Last question is from... Meg E. June, do you ever want children? If so, how many? I mentioned this before. I actually didn't want kids up until I met Austin. (laughs) They sounded so stressful. Now I do want kids because the idea of having a little face on a tiny little human is just so exciting. I kind of love the idea of three because I grew up in a family of three and he grew up in a family of three. And if one is a little bit crazy, you still have like two on the side, you know, to like hang out with. But 
he's like, no, we should do two because two is a lot cheaper. And I'm like, all right, come on. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll just be a a parent of one because one might be a lot. (laughs) Who knows? But that's all I've got for you guys today on Questions with Kelly. It has been so wonderful having you. And as always, shoot me your questions. I love featuring. I love hearing them. And I want to feature yours next week. So DM me at misunderstood.podcast. I want to hear them and I want to hear from you. Thanks so much, guys. Until next week, this is Misunderstood. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Misunderstood Podcast. I love hearing from you guys and I want you to take a screenshot of this episode, tag at misunderstood.podcast on Instagram and share a takeaway from today's episode. Something you loved, something you wanted more of, whatever it is, it helps me learn what you guys want to hear. Please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify. I want to give a special shout out to my friends at Hatch for producing this episode. If you're looking to launch a podcast or if you already have one, you can get unlimited podcast editing by visiting usehatch.fm. That's usehatch.fm. Thanks so much, guys. Until next week, this is your misunderstood Kelly Hall. Kelly Hall.